Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Mama Hex podcast. Today, I am so excited to be sitting down virtually with Charles Harley, and he is a, how would you define yourself? Is it called a detector? Uh, yes, I do metal detecting. Uh, I am a former science teacher at Bordertown, and I always Woo-hoo. had in uh, detecting, and since I'm retired, that's what I do in my spare time. Nice. And you are the... Um, the you formed a collective. Um, I, I don't know how you would call it. Um, an organization called Heritage Relic Hunters. Yes, Heritage that- Relic Hunters. Yes, it's my Facebook group uh, name. I have uh, two thousand members now. I started two Wonderful. years ago, up to two thousand members, and they come other uh, across the uh, whole United States and also parts of England and Russia. Uh, I have members all actually all over the world, uh, Australia amazing. from Australia. Yeah. So 2000 members. I started with myself as a beginning member. And again, to uh, 2000 a couple of days ago as growing all the time. And we just uh, on my group page, Facebook page, we put uh, uh, whatever people find of interest they put on the group page. So, yes, if anyone ever wants to go on Facebook and check it out, you're welcome to. Yes, that's awesome. I'll definitely link everything in the show notes as well. Um, but just um, rewinding a little bit, how we know each other is how I always start the podcast. So how Charles and I know each other is actually um, through Facebook. And we both are on a group called Friends of the Manitoni and also have a couple mutual friends, in, including um, Rachel Taylor and a couple other folks, I'm sure. But um Yeah, uh, definitely a friend of the Manitoni, completely obsessed with it. And I know Charles is also, I call myself an Oli Valley enthusiast, but um, I know that you have a a strong connection and fondness for the Oli Valley too. So that's how we know each other. And then through talking a little bit, we discovered that um, because you were a Boyertown teacher, uh, you knew my my grandfather, Bill Davies, and he actually hired you, you said, which was really special connection too. Yeah, Bill was on the committee that when I applied for a job, a position at nice. Boyer. Well, actually, back in the day, uh, the interesting uh, about when I graduated from Penn State, uh, Boyertown would come up to uh, Penn State to uh, try to recruit teachers. Uh, the good old wow. days. We were, when yeah, we were, right. <laughs> when we were needed. But, uh, yeah, uh, Bill, Bill was part of the committee that um, interviewed me. And, yeah, I got hired at Boyertown, and I – uh, both there for 35 years and uh, retired from teaching, and I had great experience at Boyertown. But uh, one thing I like to, to say, you mentioned the Manitoni. The Manitoni is right in front of my house. Uh, wow. that's, uh, that's another Facebook group that I started. I'm the administrator for that. I'm not sure if you were aware of that or not. I did not but, know that. That's so cool. Yeah, I, yeah I, I started that, again, a couple years ago. Um, I also have some uh, people who moderate for me. I, I selected four people to to be part of that. But, yes, I'm the administrator for that, and that was about also two years ago. Uh, being a science teacher, I used to take my kids out, and we did a lot of water testing at the local I creek. I ask water. you that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have so an environmental cool. science background, wildlife science background, biology background, and, of course, being a farmer, I always had interest in the outdoors and animal life and plant life. So, yeah, it all, it all comes together, um, but I, I go down to the creek a lot to, to find out if it's still a quality stream, and, and I mm. decide 
start that Facebook group also. So I got two Facebook groups out there that I look at all the time and try to add things. It is very pleasurable to know that the Manitoni Facebook group page, there are other people now putting um, photographs on the, the yes. Facebook group and comments. So I, I kind of backed off a little bit. I, I enjoy seeing other people participate. Uh, but I do monitor it all the time, make sure there's no advertising going on, which pays off stuff. So I, I delete that right away. So, uh, yeah, I, that's another Facebook page. But that's enough now. I, I got two. I got two of them. And uh, <laughs> that study has over a 1,000 people in it now. Wow. So, that's yeah. cool. That so makes my, my heart my, so happy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I did testing at the Mattatoni Creek years ago with my students. And it's a very healthy stream, and um, yeah, it oh. has uh, organisms, uh, macroinvertebrates. It's loaded with macroinvertebrates, which is our microscopic organisms, and it's a healthy creek. I'm I'm glad to know that because uh, so there's a lot of constru- uh, farmland along the Manitoba, a lot of homes yes. there, and yes. yeah, so, yeah. Plus the landfill up, yes. up, upstream, and uh, yeah, so I keep monitoring that myself. Oh, that's so cool. You know, I didn't even connect that when you said you were a science teacher. That's really incredible and such a huge resource for our community to have you have your kind of hands in it. Um, because I, I'm, you know, I'm from, I don't, I'm not really city folk, but I'm like a county from Fox County and, you know, water quality is a big deal. I grew up on a Delaware, so you know what that's like. And, uh, it's always a concern of mine, especially when my kids are frolicking in the Manitoni, like how clean it is. And, you know, um, actually on the, Facebook page of the Manitoni. Recently, people have been sharing a lot of old photographs of the watering hole. And when my grandmother Olive used to say that her and her siblings would go and swim in the Manitoni, I just imagined them swimming in the creek the way the creek is now. I had no idea there was this whole recreation area. It's very interesting yeah. and really cool. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. It's very neat to see those pictures. Um, now, in your time living, because you said that you you're, you moved to your grandfather's farm in Collegeville, from Collegeville, I'm sorry, you moved from your grandfather's farm yeah. in Collegeville to Boyertown when you were 12. So in that time period, Charles, were you able to enjoy that uh, recreational area? Like, do you remember going there and stuff? Uh, not so much. I grew up uh, on a farm outside Boyertown, and that's uh, the, uh, the the waterway where I lived was the Ironstone. So I spent a lot of time gotcha. on the Ironstone Creek, which is, uh, you know, it's a uh, well-known creek in Boyertown area, but uh, I think with the Manitoni, what what inspired me was being a 12-year-old kid and being along the Ironstone Creek. I enjoyed uh, fishing, and yeah. uh, I used to go over to the Manitoni fishing. And the strangest part about it is my favorite location for fishing as a young kid is across the street from my house where I live today. So not knowing. Oh my gosh. Knowing, Many years later, I'd actually be living in the house that I would uh, would um, you know see while I was fishing as a young kid, and yeah, so it's it's kind of strange how things happen uh, full circle mm-hmm. in one's I life. I was going to say that, yes, yeah. yeah. And interesting to know, I, again, uh, as you just said, I grew up on a farm in Boyertown, but as a teenager, oftentimes farm boys would uh, work on other farms actually to earn money. We had the knowledge of driving tractors and working on farms. So as a young teen from Boyertown, I, my mom would drive me over to Amity Township to work on farms, not knowing that I would live in Amity Township later on in life. So it's, it's oh wow, 
Yeah, yeah. So I got to know a lot of farmers over here, and now I, I live here, and uh, yeah, it's my home now. But um, uh, I enjoy the uh, the creek in front of my house. I enjoy the wilderness that still surrounds me here in Amity Township. Yeah. Some places that have gotten have got developed, but it's still a great place to live. As Bordertown area and Ole area, also, it's it's a great place to live. This part of yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, it, it's true indeed, and it's always nice too as a parent at Boyertown. Um, to hear teachers that are really excited about our area and, you know, I'm sure infuse that into um, the work that you do with the students. I know my daughter right now is in seventh grade at West, and she has a she has a Western Civ teacher who is a huge Belschnickel fan, and I was just oh. blown away and excited. So he's now my favorite teacher of hers, of course, but he's a really wonderful guy. And I just, you know, I'm a sub there, and I just really enjoy the staff, and I think I'm um, just generally speaking, our district has done a really phenomenal job uh, dealing with this crisis and the pandemic. So I've been really impressed. Um, a lot of teachers in my family and a lot of people not having such um, great care for themselves as teachers in their district. But I've been really impressed with Boyertown. I get to kind of keep an ear open to some of the, um, you know, the way that they're helping out teachers and stuff. So we love it here so much. I'm never leaving. I told my husband, uh, I love, I love being here so much. It feels like we came home. Um, which yeah. brings me to, to my next kind of topic that I wanted to ask you about was you also mentioned that your wife is also a lifelong Old Valley girl and, um, her family, Snyder, uh, has been here since 1719. Is that correct? Yeah. The, uh, the Snyder family goes back, uh, they're the ancestral, his name is Hans Schneider. Uh, they changed his phone. It was actually Schneider, uh, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R, I believe. Uh, the, uh, the town of Limekiln, if people are familiar with Limekiln, Pennsylvania, which is uh, at the other end of the Ole Valley. If anyone knows where the Ole Turnpike there is, it's just down the road yeah. to the village of Limekiln. That was called Snydersville at one time. Oh, okay. Uh, and the reason I changed it, changed the name there was two Snydervilles one was in Schuylkill County and I don't know why they changed it because of that reason but that's what I was told yeah like the line yeah it's kind of strange but uh, yeah that's where her <laughs> log cabin was there and if you look at some of the if anyone knows who George Miser is he uh, prints books on the Ole Valley and, and Berks County area and there is a photograph of the uh, the old log homestead the original log homestead oh, that's wow. where Hans Snyder settled and built and uh, the, uh, the the stone farmhouse is there right in Limekiln uh, but the cemetery is there also and Hans Snyder has supposedly the oldest tombstone in Berks County and it's in pretty good shape I was really surprised so that's yeah. a Snyder very in Limekiln yeah her family's still there but they own the farm adjoining farm nearby right across the field and that was the Herbine Homestead Farm from years ago, <laughs> 1712. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah, my wife's an Ole Valley girl. She was uh, born in the farmhouse that she grew up in. Her dad was born in that farmhouse. So it's, uh, oh, wow. it goes way back. And uh, uh, her family goes back to the 1700s, and so does mine also from Harleysville. Yeah. So, I was yeah. just going to ask you to tell us the story about um, Harleysville, because your last name is, of course, Charles Harley. Yeah. Um, well, the Harleys, yeah, the Harleys came here also in 1719. They uh, came here for religious freedoms. They were a group of uh, people called uh, German Baptists. Uh, 
uh, today it's known as German Baptist Brethren or the other uh, branch group called the Church of Brethren. Yeah, they came in 1790 to Germantown, Pennsylvania. Uh, from Germantown, they went over to New Jersey, uh, started two churches over there, two German Baptist churches in Jersey. Ringo's and uh, Amwell are the two churches. Oh, they're still there today, by the way. And then they migrated up along the Delaware, they crossed the Delaware, and they went into uh, Harleysville area, and they settled in Harleysville and started the Indian Church of the Brethren, which is part of the German Baptist group. And then from there, they went over to Coventryville, Pennsylvania. Okay. There's Church of Brethren in Pottstown. They started that church. And then the one brethren broke off, and he started the uh, the cloister. Uh, oh. That was a, he was the... Uh, he was under my ancestral uh, great-great-great-grandfather, eight-great-grandfather. Uh, yeah, that's part. He, that, he was a church of the Brethren or German Baptist Brethren uh, member there. Uh, I'm trying, trying to think of his name. Uh, but anyway, that was the uh, cloister. Uh, I can't think of it. I'm, my, my, I'm brain dead right now. But anyway, yeah, uh, okay. so back to 1700s, yeah. Oh, Bible, Conrad wow. Bible. Well, Conrad Beisel, he fought the uh, German Baptists, which is a plain group, by the way. You know, we have the Army. Yes. We have the Mennonites. And also German Baptists are also a plain group here in Pennsylvania and elsewhere now. But Conrad Beisel felt as though the German Baptists were not plain enough. They they did not follow the teachings of Jesus enough. So he broke away from the German Baptists and went over in Lancaster County and started his group. Uh, and wow. that's story about that yeah that he was wow, a German that's really cool so uh yeah the Harleys go back quite a few years that's why my interest is in historical things because of my family I have a lot of things that were passed right. down over the years as a kid I wasn't interested as much but since I got older I'm like you know this is cool stuff so I uh yeah and I, I do a lot of uh, research and reading about my family it's interesting uh, all the great things that were accomplished over the years. You know, again, religious freedom was one of them. Yes, yes. Other things that they did over the years, yeah. So that's, that's my really, background, my family. It's really, really fascinating, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, I could have cared less as well when I was younger because it was just it was part of our life. Yeah, we didn't know any different. We didn't know that it was really special, but as I've grown older and actually um, – looked more for that sense of belonging or, or connectedness yeah. for my children, I think, is when it really clicked for me, oh, I need to do more research to tell my kids these stories. Um, then it became overwhelmingly exciting for me. And it, it gave you that, like, um, it gives it gives new life to the to the information that you find, too, to have such such an intense interest in it. For example, we used to do, we, I'm a fisher, my grandmother, Olive, was a fisher. Um, we had the fisher reunion, and it was just normal for us that we would go to the fisher homestead and have yeah. our reunion, and it just like, oh, okay, and then we'd go home to Bucks County and continue our lives there, but looking back now, it was so incredibly, incredibly special, and um, uh, the fishers were very, very um, kind to let us into their home, and then, of course, um, Hilda was also a teacher at Boytown, <laughs> yeah. an incredible person, an incredible person and so knowledgeable. And she did us all an amazing service in our, in our family and also the community. She made note cards for the Fisher home. And 
and made sure that everything had its little note card to tell the person that was looking at it um, what what the significance was. And that's like something that just continues on for everyone, even though she's passed. Um, just an incredible family. It's really neat to come back now as an adult with my family and live in this area and be able to show my kids like how special it is and how long we've been here and how we were, you know, all of us collectively, including like your family and my husband's family, uh, we were settling this area and it was like the wilderness. <laughs> it's very, very, very cool um, as I, an adult to know, to know that. I did have the opportunity to see the inside of the homestead. Frank Fisher, Hilda's husband, he was yes. the, he was the best man at my father-in-law's wedding. When my father-in-law and my mother got married, he was the best man. Oh, wow. so, so they were they were very good friends, the Snyders. And um, when I was over there, I had the opportunity. To, uh, Hilda took me on a tour of the, the house inside, and uh, it was uh, beautiful inside, outside yeah. homestead. History is big time there. I did have the chance to actually do metal detecting around the property. I was going to ask you. <laughs> yes. it, was, it was just totally unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, what we found there, uh, just the artifacts, and it was truly amazing. I really appreciate the Fisher family allowing me to to do that. And everything we found was documented. Every every cool. coin or found around the property, we, we documented it. And um, yeah, it, it was it was really nice to have that chance to do it. But a great family. Uh, yes. Yeah, so so uh, you being a Fisher, you you go way back also. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool, and uh, my grandmother's very proud of it. Although she faced like a lot of adversity, especially in college, they put her in like a speech clinic and stuff for her accent. It was like crazy stuff. But oh. then, it's interesting because just a few years ago, when we first moved back here, I went in and I um I was actually doing a quilting group with Margie Fisher, who just passed away. She was yeah. Steve's wife, and they're the ones that were living there. Um. And and she was incredible because she kind of carried that torch that Hilda used to give people tours and, and also very, very kind and welcoming. And she took me back, and this is what I wanted to ask you about, too, specifically now that you mentioned you'd been on the, the property. Um, the spring house, she told me how um, when, when they were building the property, they would live in there, you know, but they had to make sure it was um, secure and they had it along the the spring so that they could get water and she said it would have to barricade the doors because um of the local native americans which was surprising to me because i had thought in our particular area that things were pretty peaceful and i had not heard anything like that before margie told me this so i was kind of curious um i know the lenape were in this area um if you've seen anything or heard anything about that or or if you see like um in your in your detecting if you've come across i know when i saw the video on youtube of you and your friends in the manatoni you talked about arrowheads i think and i was curious about that aspect if you come across a lot of uh, a lot of or not even a lot but some um relics from the lenape we uh every year uh we do about two uh arrowhead videos arrowhead uh nice. finding videos every year and uh we have a couple places where we go and, and we actually uh, do very well uh, finding arrowheads now i personally have not done a video for my uh, youtube channel the uh the youtube channel that we we have is called the hoover boys it's a friend of mine when he comes up his name's kurt france and uh we do a video of our finds and yeah we find quite a few uh artifacts uh, in the Oli Valley, uh, it's not as easy as it was years ago because the fields do not get plowed. 
Uh, they do a yeah. lot of notes down, so it's more difficult. But getting back to the question about the Indians, uh, yeah. the first natives, what was what happened was the only thing I can share with you, and I don't know how how much truth is behind this, but the uh, local Indians were friendly. But what yeah. happened during the French and Indian War, the uh, Iroquois came uh, close to the Blue Mountain areas, and they actually came to our area to uh, to be a problem during the French and Indian War, and uh, proud. Indians were renegade Indians from the Iroquois Nation, from out of the upstate New York area. They actually came down to our area, from what I understand. So maybe that that was the right. issue that needed to board themselves up from that from that group of natives. Yeah, because I was kind of surprised because I had always heard just, I mean, you know, in the area, and and especially when we do a lot of vending events, there's a man, and I apologize, I'm I'm forgetting his name, but he always um comes and speaks about the Lenape, and I've, I've always heard that it was very peaceful with the yep. Lenape, and I was kind of surprised to hear that. Um, but yeah, maybe that kind of explains it. Um, and then that side also goes back to the, uh, oh, why am I blanking in Oli there? <laughs> right off of 662. Um, oh, goodness me. Totally blanking on the homestead. Not Daniel Boone, but I'm... On 662? Uh, yeah, 62, right by the circle now. Oh, my gosh, what's it called? See, I'm blanking, too. <laughs> it's got this beautiful home, but then a very small cabin, and they were one of the first French Huguenot, the Turk, the Turk, duh. I had to go the through Turk, the whole French Huguenot thing. Right, the Turk family. <laughs> yeah, I know where you yeah. are. Yes, yeah. yes. But the Turk, and the, now the, the disappointing part about that is uh, you're not allowed to access that. Um I went to a couple of Burke's History Trust um, meetings when I was working on my thesis and wanted to kind of collaborate with them, but that is sort of a private area. You cannot just go freely. So I haven't been able to visit that, but that's also a pretty, pretty interesting um, uh, place as well. And then um, my, my husband, who's a Yoder, um, he goes back to the Pine House. And the Kahn homestead is, I'll tell you what, Charles, of all of the places that I've visited, and I'm, I, co- I consider myself like a fluid person, I will, you know, I will let things, I will entertain certain people's aspects or thoughts or um, beliefs and kind of absorb it and, and either it sticks or it doesn't, you know, but as far as like hauntedness or haunting or um, the, feeling the ancestors' presence. Uh, all the other places that I've talked about in Oli Valley, I've always felt very um, comfortable and like warm, not like a adverse feeling. <laughs> but the Kime Homestead, there's definitely like a different feeling there. So I don't know if you've ever been there or if you've ever done any um, detecting work there, but that's a very interesting place. And other people that I know have felt <laughs> similarly. So it's very, it's just very interesting to notate the difference in how you feel when you're just on the property i was there a few years back they were still doing some improvements on the uh homestead uh yes i've been there i i can't say if i had any feelings at the time but i am glad that it's been preserved state it is very unique as is the coffin homestead in Oli valley which is for sale now by the way uh, those two homesteads they are pretty much original i mean when you walk into the kind homestead uh, again it's been a few years since I've been there, or even the coffin home. So you you get that presence of being back in time, that's for sure. Yes. On that, I'm, I'm not aware of, but uh, two great properties that are still standing 
and and uh, they'll be around for a long time to come, I'm sure. So it's not that we have so. any special fine homesteads, but we have the opportunity to go there often if if we want to. If we yeah. have that. I know with the COVID and everything, they used to have a festival every year there. So hope they that turn. Yeah, I hope so because you know we've talked about it before, you and I, um, about um, having more people come and visit Ole Valley and see the the how special it is but back to the prime home said maybe the difference that you feel when you're there is exactly what you said about how it's all intact still and like yeah. other other homesteads like the fisher homestead or whatever like it's lived it's modernized in certain ways um maybe that's the difference is it's so it's so um it's almost like it's almost like frozen in that period yeah. and maybe that's just the difference that it, it maybe just feels really uncomfortable for a modern person sometimes so maybe that's the difference. Maybe it's not necessarily like a negative thing. It's more like just uncomfortable because of how modern we've become. But um, yeah. that's interesting. Right. I have to go back. My husband, um, I was taking some photographs um, and he was like, oh, you should do some of the time homestead. And I said, I can't go without you because there's just something about it. But it's also not like my ancestors. So maybe there's also that like right. familiarity where I feel really comfortable in certain places. But um, that's really interesting. I've never been to the Kaufman homestead. I'm going to have to check that out. Maybe we'll maybe we'll uh, maybe I can talk him into it. <laughs> I keep saying it, it, it is for, the Valley. <laughs> it is for sale. It is for sale. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure what the selling price. I think it's 1.9 million dollars for 125 acres land. But that place, yeah. that place, I drive by. Just well, not drive by. If you go there and just park your car and look around, it's like back in time. It's and it, wow. it's, uh, the area where it's located is not built up at all. Right in that area. Uh, you know, it's just a great property. I, I just hope whoever does purchase it does re, uh, restore it in such a way that it keeps its charm. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. Indeed. Um, let me ask you real quick about um, the sacred oak. I know we talked about it, but I think it, that's where it deep into our messages to remember. Um, certainly, <laughs> if you have done any detection there, you'll find many very interesting things because I know for a long time, uh, people would would go there and leave um what do they call it uh leave like offerings for the tree and the right. spirit right. and um particularly I'm interested in asking you because it's a favorite place of ours and actually we got married there thankfully uh, the new owner was very very kind and let us do that um right there is there's like a formation of stones off to the right when you're looking straight on at the tree um and I know when my husband and I first went there, when I first saw it, he said that, you know, somebody had told him that those were like for Lenape um, ritual. I don't know, something to do with that. Right. And I'm wondering if, if you're aware of that at all. Are you aware of anything of significance with that formation? If you know what I'm talking about. Um, I've I, always been I've curious. Been there. I've been there and I do know what you're referring to. I do not know the significance of that, to be honest with you. I don't know the background. I know twice a year they they offer uh, guests to uh, yes. see the tree twice a year. I, I'm not sure the dates, but I'm sure people could look that up on the, the website, whatever. But uh, I was recently there. Uh, yeah, I actually not far from there. I have a relative uh, cousin has a farm adjoining farm. That's where we do most of our arrowhead hunting on the neighboring oh, farm. Wow. So. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to me that, that I'm looking for arrowheads. I can look across the field and actually, this time of year, anyway, see, see the tree uh, yeah. from, where, from where I am. So 
believe me, when we pick up an arrowhead that is like three, four thousand years old, I just stand there and I hold that arrowhead right. in my hand and I look over that direction. I'm like, you know, this is this is a fantastic event in my life just to hold something mm-hmm. that the last person who touched it was three, four thousand years ago. And I, I, I just think about that. That That's what makes what I do just a pleasant experience for my, myself and, and, and my friends when, we, when we're there. Uh, again, we, we try to document everything. Um, I don't want to ever be accused of being uh, someone who's you know, removed something and uh, doesn't do anything great about it. I, I try to share. I actually go into school. I go back to school, and I, I do share it with children, uh, kids, students. Oh, wow. Uh, I was doing it once a year, but since the COVID, that's not that's not in the works right mm. now. I, I do share my yeah. things with kids, and uh, and I, I put it out cool. there. But but that sacred oak, oak that's a that's a really neat place that we have in the Neoli Valley. It goes way back. I'm not yeah. quite sure. Was, I think someone said six eight hundred years old. That tree. I think so. Yeah. I know the last I heard it was seven over seven hundred years old. So I think that's a fair yeah. fair estimate. And I know um they. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, there was a tree similar to that down in Amity Township on my uncle's farm. Mm-hmm. And not many people knew about it. I knew about it because I used to uh, wander down it, down in the, my uncle's farm and I'd stand underneath that tree and I was just amazed about it. And uh, but anyway, the farm got sold and uh, they went in there with all kinds of equipment and took every tree away except that tree. Mm-hmm. I said to my oh, wife, wow. I was very happy to see that, that they left that tree go. Went back a month later, and the tree was gone. It was so big, oh, it had special equipment in there to remove it. I, it broke my heart because that tree, oh, I'm not saying it was as old as a sacred oak, and it wasn't a sacred tree in it, itself, but to me, it was like back to William Penn, I'm sure, and that yes. tree was gone, and it just broke my heart. I, I was pleased to see it saved, but it was just a temporary because they didn't have the equipment to cut oh, it, how big it was. It broke my heart. That was in Amity Township. That is heartbreaking. It would be today. It would be today. I think I would have probably stepped forward and tried to have it stopped. I'm, I'm not a yeah. protest in a way, but that that tree was just beautiful, just like the sacred oak. It's a beautiful tree, and yeah. that tree is going to be there. Uh, a friend of mine works Bartlett Tree Service, and they are uh, they they monitor that tree all the time for healthiness. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask you if you heard about there were a lot of efforts. So there's a new owner. So we got married in 2013, and that same year there was a new owner, and it's yeah. a man. I don't know his name. Um, but that I knew there there were a lot of efforts, and there's also a Facebook group. I'll make sure to link um the Sacred Oak. Um, and there's a lot of efforts to, to help support the tree because I think it was actually diseased and not doing very well a few years that's back. Correct. And I know, yeah, there's been a lot of efforts to help it. And that's, that's so, so nice to see. And so many people love that tree so much. And it's very, very special here. And um, I wanted to ask you, though, speaking of preserving um, things, keeping intact, uh, the new owner, though, he did. Did you happen to notice we would drive by quite often that he actually moved the property? Um, I think there was some kind of water issue or something, but the home actually, it was really cool to see. They they kind of uprooted it and moved it, which I didn't know yeah, you could I, do, really. <laughs> it's really I, neat. I actually know the family, and the family has given me permission to, uh, they own several farms. Uh, oh, wow. 
and uh, I I will not I will not ask. Uh, I, I I do have permission to go to a lot of different places, but I will stay out of that particular property since it is uh, a sacred sacred area as far as you yes. know concerned. Uh, again, I, I do have permission to go on on their uh, land, uh, other locations. But yeah, the house was uh, the house was moved. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the issue was, but I know it's close to the road. And it could have been a water. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. The, the old, it's a brick farmhouse and actually uh, moved it back about 200 feet at least back when you're yeah. the ball. It looks great. It really does. Yeah, it was neat to see them just preserve it, you know, when they could have yeah. done whatever they wanted. I mean, it made me really happy. Um, And, and the owner was very, very nice, very nice to us. It, we, we were planning our wedding. It was not like a large event, but um, he was very nice to give us that permission. It was very, very, very very kind of him and um because i know you know we had gone to sacred Oak many times with the previous owner i think um she was actually renting the property and you know there weren't any restrictions and you never knew what you were going to find when you walked up on the tree to be honest with you sometimes it was a little bit um intimidating because people people would go in and you know like with all full disclosure do some odd things (laughs) So it felt a lot safer that they had the two the two offerings of visitation days, and it was run very very nicely and well. And I really appreciated that. So it's neat that we can still visit and in a very safe way um, that's more monitored. I like that a lot, and um, so that's very cool. I I want to also ask you, and I just thought of this today. Um, have you been to? I'm a huge huge fan of Mount Mary and all the folklore of it all. Um, but have you been to that property? It's so strange and so hard to get to. And um, But apparently, things I've read and stuff, like Don Yoder's book, um, about what the land was like when she was living there and just the very fertile hills and fields in that area. It's a really, really neat um, farming area. Um, but haven't gone to visit or done anything surrounding the Mountain Mary um, area? I was there. Many, many, many years ago, I have not been there since. Uh, I, I'm not real familiar uh, with with uh, what has gone on recently up in that area, but yeah, that's a that's a true folklore area from, uh, yeah. from the past. Sure, I, I understand she helped during the Revolutionary War with killing soldiers that were uh, injured and so forth. Uh, I need to do more research about that about that area. That's for sure. But uh, no, yeah. I haven't been here for a while. Yeah, that area is not in my toolbox either. I just, it's just not like ancestral, and I just don't ever get over that way. But we're interested in her because of the folklore. But church, right? Uh, it's right on the, that same area, and then I know that they do a yearly visit to her um, oh, grave okay. site in honor of her. But yeah, she was so she was like a folk healer, but very very interesting character and very shrouded in mystery, of course, which is always a lot of fun with folklore, but um, that's an area of Oli that I never really get into, um, and I'd like to explore more, but it's kind of tricky when you're driving uh, to get up and around all those hills, and there's no real place to pull over. You know, it's not not flat like um, this Spangsville area and stuff. It's pretty easy to navigate, but yeah, exactly. Um, I was just curious if you had been there, but that's very cool. So I wanted to also notate something that we discussed in our um, conversation. I was wondering how you became interested in detecting, but I wanted to also mention, and you kind of touched on it a bit, but you said, I'm all about saving history, and it makes you feel bad when people look at you as treasure thieves, and that, um, you know, you do know, you, you take notes, and you 
you have um, a lot of ethics surrounding the work that you do. And I'm curious about a couple things. I'm curious how you got interested in it. And then secondly, are you planning to um, put some kind of publication out or be able to showcase the things that you found in the future? I'd be very, very interesting in seeing, interested in seeing the body of work that you've collected and really grateful to you. Thank you very much for the work that you do because I think it, it can tie together so many unanswered questions about the people of the past that were in our area. So those are a couple of questions that I have. How did you get interested in it? And if you could just um, speak briefly about, you know, the ethics that you follow when you're doing detecting. I would okay. That. Thank you. <laughs> basically, yeah, it's basically, I love history, of course. Uh, I love nature, the science, like I said, wildlife. I, I'm, I'm on both ends of the spectrum, you know. It's one of these things yeah. where we would go, uh, we would go to the beach years ago when the kids were little, and uh, we, we used to see people metal detecting the beach. So basically what I did was I bought a, a cheap bounty hunter, from Cabela's years ago and took it to the beach for the kids. And we'd find coins and things on the beach, which was fun. And then uh, we'd come back home and and basically that metal detector just sat in the corner. So when I retired from teaching, I thought, you know, let me just do some metal detecting around the house here. And I went behind the house and I found a dime, a silver dime. I thought, oh, this is really cool. So, make a long story short, on the family farm, we uh, we had three farms in Oli, three of them. We decided to put one up for sale and sell to the neighbor, and I needed to look for survey pins. So, I used the metal detector to find a survey pin. So, uh, being at the farm, I played around with it, and I started finding coins, you know, on, on the farmland. Oh, wow. Old 1700s, I thought, hey, this is fun. And again, with my history background, uh, I really got connected with doing that and I started watching YouTube videos and um, this one particular person he's probably number one on YouTube with metal detecting uh, Kurt France and it's called the Hoover Boys I I texted him and reached out to him and I didn't hear anything from him and I started showing him the things that I would find up in Oli and he reached out to me because <laughs> these oh, coins wow. were go back you know, like early 1700 coins from King George, King George coins and stuff like that. We'd find Spanish real silver coins from the 1700s. And yeah, so that's how I got started. And I started to watch a lot more YouTube videos. I, of course, upgraded my um, metal detector to be a, a better one, and um, which was a good thing to do. So that's how I got started, and I just wanted to make sure that whatever I found, we would document it, and and we went to places already where uh, it was going to be developed. We went there ahead of time to do metal detecting, and basically we saved a lot of history that was in the ground by doing that. And that's one of the things I want to share with you about Boyertown area. When there's a Boyertown, New Hanover Township, most people don't realize this, but that was a, a two-week encampment for George Washington's troops after the Battle of Brandywine. And I know as a kid, my friends would find uh, relics from the fields. You know how people find arrowheads? Well, my friends as yeah. teenagers, they'd find relics from the Revolutionary War. And I had the opportunity to go down there and did, did some metal detecting. Sadly, there's a lot of great areas now covered with developments, houses and things, where the encampment was located. 
But I had I had some opportunities to go to places where it's still open space, and I found some really nice relics and coins from the past, and musket balls and parts of rifles and so forth and so on. I actually contacted Valley Forge about some of the things I found, but they were not interested in what I had because uh, I guess they need to have someone professionally there to document it, so forth and so on. So I have it in my relic room here. I show, again, when I go back to the school and show kids, I, I show kids myself. So I have it, I kept it, I know where it came from, and I document it myself. So, yeah, that's how I got into uh, metal detecting. And um, it sometimes bothers me because when I was on the phone, nothing to say anything bad about Valley Forge, but I know they, they're not too fond of metal detectors out there. Uh, but I wish we would have a better relationship between um, – between people who actually go into areas and find materials that we can, you know, work together on it. So I, I understand it. There, there's a situation that occurs sometimes that we have our differences, but I would prefer us to get together and work on things. So, yes, but yeah, 100%. I got So it, it was really a pleasure, though, to metal detect on our family property, which was settled by the French Huguenots. You know, the Turks were French Huguenots. The herbines. Yes, yes. For what the odors were. What were the odors? Were they uh, Swiss, German Swiss? Yeah, Swiss German, yep. Mm-hmm. He says there's some Alsace in his lineage, but I don't think it was necessarily the odors. Okay, but I, uh, the French Huguenot, uh, they were in the Oli Valley a long time ago, and yes. I was able to uh, find a coin, a 1640 coin that came from the Netherlands, and I didn't wow. know much about it. I didn't know much about this. What's the coin, 1640, uh, being found in Ole Valley? But anyway, I found right. out and from watching a Netflix channel, by the way, <laughs> uh, Versailles. I watched the Versailles uh, Netflix, and then I found out that that uh, the king, uh, King Louis the Fourteenth, chased out the Protestants out of France because he was mm-hmm. Catholic. Out France, they went into the Netherlands for a few years and settled in the Netherlands. The French Protestants were the Huguenots, and from there they came to America and they settled in the Oli Valley. So that coin, that coin probably came from the well, it did come from the Netherlands, but the French Huguenots brought it with them on their ships. Uh, yeah, it's interesting how that all became connected. So cool. <laughs> but yes, I, I, do, I, I seen I, like a television show. Like, yeah, where yeah. you're holding the coin, and then like there's this crazy zoom, and it shows you like the Netherlands with the French Huguenots. Like it's so visual for me, just the image yeah. of you know how you trace the story behind the relic. It's really very cool and fascinating. I love it. But it took a it took a Netflix video to help me. Oh, you know, the fourteenth. He didn't like the French Protestants, and he chased them out to yeah. the Netherlands, Holland. And they're the the Turk and the Bertlets and the Herbines. Uh, they settled in the Oli Valley to, to uh, get religious freedom, you know, just like a lot yeah. of other families in Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah. Because of so yeah, this this is this history. It's just crazy. It's fan- to me, it's just fantastic. I I just enjoy it so much. And and my metal detecting again, and my arrowhead hunting, and just uh, it just you know being retired now, it just gives me new life. Uh, to, yeah. uh, to wake up every morning and figure out what I'm going to do to do something that uh, is pleasurable to me and also to uh, my friends and community. Because I like to share. Yeah. I like to share what I find. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, even though you're retired, like I feel like a teacher's spirit is always 
going to be one to teach people yeah. and to share with people. And I think that's really an important point as well about you, Charles. Is you were just talking about the groups that you set up, and, and they just bring people together. And it's a beautiful thing. It's really neat to watch. Um, and just knowing, you know, my whole family was teachers, there's always that spirit of wanting to not only continue learning yourself, but you wake up and you're excited, you know, to learn something new and find something new. A lot of people um, can fall into like a depression when they're retired and feel like their purpose is gone because they, quote unquote, don't have a job. But really, I think that's of the teacher's spirit to just continue that cycle of learning and teaching and learning and teaching. And I love that. It's very um very cyclical and always giving back and paying forward and giving back, you know? So it's really neat. I love that. Um, so what was I going to ask you now? Um, well, I, oh, I, I do know we want to talk about, you know, the things we find in the Oli Valley is very historical. Yes. And, and, and we, we did mention our, uh, between ourselves about uh, this chance of possibly creating a museum. Yeah. Uh, in Oli, I know Boyertown, I, I've been working um, in a small way with the Boyertown Historical Society. I had, I was an FFA member when I was a kid, and they, they wanted some things from the uh, from the past about the Future Farmers of America, which is a great organization. Yeah. And there's actually, when I was in, it was just boys only, but now there's there's also uh, girls, and there's, there's more girls than boys now, which is really fantastic. But I put in a I had a display in Sport Town Historical Society, uh, all the things that I had as an FFA member, my coat, my jacket. And I, I really enjoyed being at the Boyertown Historical Society. I was never there before. And I thought, this is really great that Boyertown is, is saving all the things that are given to them that part of the past. And and I think about Oli. Oli does not have a, uh, they have a historical society, but they have no museum. And right. you and I talked just a small way that maybe something can be done in the near future that only can can have a building set up yes. like Boyertown has. Uh, Boyertown, yes. of course, they they need money all the time, and they they actually had this past year to support their museum. They actually had a metal detecting event that yes. went over very well. They did very well with bringing in uh, money. I was supportive with that myself and I had a lot of my friends come in from all of the United States by the way Utah was the furthest location that someone came into wow. the board and, and and they made enough money that they could uh, support the museum for another year I'm sure so but only needs one only Valley needs to have their own museum because there's so yeah. many wonderful things that are out there that people would probably would donate and give to be preserved and stay forever and have other people see what's there I'm working on that. And I'm I'm working on that. I have a friend who is very active in the Oli uh, Historical Society, and we're getting together shortly and seeing what approach we can do to uh, get this done, get this completed. Yeah, yeah, that's very exciting. Um, I've been saying this for years because I think I mentioned, you know, my husband and I vend a lot and we do a lot over at the Pennsylvania German Cultural Heritage Center, and I work a lot with the Schweinfelder as well, and. You know, the, the really great thing that they both have is a facility in order to facilitate these opportunities of learning and engagement and, like, the cycle we just talked about, about um, paying it forward and then learning more. Um, it would be so nice to have something like that in Oli. And I mentioned to Charles and publicly as well, I'd be happy to offer any of the services I have. I don't have money, but I can offer my services um, well. to volunteer to, to get that going because, honestly – 
I spent so much time spending and in events and in education that I'd be very happy to facilitate an educational program. You know, just give me the word when you guys have um, something rolling. That makes me so excited and so happy. And I know that it would have profound impact on not only the people from Oli Valley and the people contemporarily living here, but also in the larger community. I think it's, it's just, um, it's, such, it's such a sacred and, and special place. And that's very, very exciting to hear that the wheels are in motion and you're talking about this. And um, we're just, you know, I'm sure people would get behind it and get, get some fundraising done and, you know, all of the things. So keep us in the loop. Um, make sure you follow Charles on his different groups. And I'll certainly share um, when, when anything changes or, you know, we need some support in that way. But that's very, very exciting news. Um, just to hear the prospect of it makes me really, really happy. So um, thank well, you for I your efforts. That means a lot to us, you know. I, I do know it was uh, getting a building, uh, finding a building in, in the town of Oli, which would be probably mm -hmm. the best to have it in the town of Oli. Uh, yes. the, they're all prime properties. Uh, you know, the money is issue uh, in purchasing and mm -hmm. building. But, but my dream, my dream and my thoughts would be uh, the Oli Valley Community Fair. It's such a big event every year for a lot of people. My, my dream would be to have maybe funds, um, get some funds and actually build something there on the fairgrounds, which yeah. would be open during the fair and could be used anytime throughout the year. An actual building that would be built that would uh, have have the style the design the the, the design building would be uh, maybe like an old schoolhouse building design or an old you know a one-room church building put on the Oli Valley Community Fairgrounds so I, I'm going to look into that that's my dream to have something there on the fairgrounds okay. yeah that's a, a very a good place for it 100% because you're already going to have the fair, which is a great opportunity for people to come and check it out as well. Um, I know a few years ago I was involved in the Oli Dow, um, the first family, and I know that they hosted it on the fairgrounds in a, yes. I'm trying to look back, in a facility, but certainly not like a schoolhouse or anything, but um, where was it hosted? Oh, I can't actually find where it's actually hosted. Oh, Oli Ferry only fair center it was called on jefferson street um okay. and we had the personaling there and you know certainly not like <laughs> what you necessarily envision but there is there is opportunity there to maybe even just a temporary like collection and then get the momentum going but it's a very exciting prospect and certainly please keep in touch and let me know um okay. if i can help it anyway um i have it's kind of a dream <laughs> I have not contacted anyone from the Oli Fair community, but that's my dream, and I'm going to let it out yeah, there right now. Too. People know that <laughs> my, my, my thoughts would be a perfect location. And the reason for that yeah. is I go up to uh, – they did not have it this past year again because of the COVID. I go up to Ag Progress Days up at Penn State University. I graduated from Penn State. And having an agricultural background, I always love to go out to the Ag Progress Days, which is just outside of State College. And there they have, uh, besides all the agricultural displays, they have a museum there, uh, a farm museum there on the uh, fairgrounds, the Penn State uh, Ag Progress Day fairgrounds. And it's a permanent structure. And in that, in that museum, they have, of course, a lot of uh, histories of farm farming, and they have a lot of things on display. I'm thinking that would be 
great to have the same thing at the Oli Fairgrounds. Yes. You know, uh, not yes. just our, in this case, uh, historical uh, things from the Oli Valley, because what's taking place, just like ourselves, we, on our three family farms, we had we had relics and things there from from the early times, early 1700s. We had a chest there, had a Herbine's name on it, you know, uh, and that's that's old and and uh, it's a shame that that stuff when you have a farm auction leaves sometimes it leaves the valley uh, yeah uh, so i nice to have people donate some things for this museum and uh, that's a dream of mine even though i'm not an Oli valley resident my wife is an Oli valley person but i love i love the history of the community and i think uh, uh, that would be a great asset to the community to have a museum there at the fairgrounds. Again, I didn't contact anyone. I'm going to work on that. So. Yes. Yes. Well, we're very excited to hear that, and um, look forward to seeing how it pans out. And any help you need, please let us know. But I was going to say, um, I think mine would be to, you know, be in at least as a consultant of do educational programming. I love that so much. I I've moved out of a classroom, per se, but I always I say all the time. <laughs> all the time that um when I vend and things like that it becomes my new classroom because I'm always like yourself trying to teach people things and also learning from people do a lot of listening at vending events I learn so much yes. from the people that come and it's just a wonderful and beautiful exchange um of information and things that I have been taught so much just by people that will come and talk to me um about my art and then we get into conversations about regional areas and it's just it's a beautiful thing and I think that is also very wonderful and and I look forward to a time where we can gather again and share these these moments with each other but yeah that's very exciting Charles I was super excited when you told me and I was like been talking for a long time about how that would be so wonderful but to see someone actually um, moving the wheel is really nice to see um so that is all wonderful, and we did a really good job, and we're at an hour. Um, I did actually. You brought it up, which was wonderful about the collaboration with the Boyertown Historical Society. Um, and Rachel Taylor is a friend of mine, and now the new okay. president, which is very exciting. She's a really great energy and spirit. Um, and we're going to be doing some collaborating with some educational um, workbooks and stuff for the Boyertown Area Historical Society. And it's neat to see, um, well, oh, I guess I should ask you one more thing. Are you um, a member of the Old Valley Heritage Association? I am not. I'm, again, I'm meeting a friend of mine uh, this, this gotcha. coming uh, week, and uh, he'll probably uh, advise that. He, he probably will uh, say to me, you should join, you should join. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also the Boyerson Historical Society, I, I actually spoke to Rachel about a week ago, they're doing a barn tour sometime, I think in September. And, and she knew I grew up in Boyertown. She knows I have a farm background. Yeah. She uh, is interested in knowing if I could maybe find some barns to add to the list they already have. So um, that's work. So that's going to work. So I have to uh, sit down and think about some of the farms that I still remember from Boyertown growing up in that area. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Rachel is, she's, uh, she's uh, very active in the Boyertown Historical Society along with a few other people at the, um, which you need. You, you need these volunteers out there to make things happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Rachel is, uh, is connected with me in, in that way. And also there's an upcoming metal detecting event. They're going to have two this year. And I got the word out with all my friends. And they're, they're going to come from nice. all over. Uh, it's amazing how they come. I 
actually have them camping in the backyard. They bring tents and they camp on my property, and I use, let them use my my uh, bathroom facilities and shower facilities. And we have a great time, campfire. So there are outside people coming to Border County area to uh, participate in this event that, again, is supportive of the uh, uh, Border Town Historical Society. So it works out very well. Yeah. Oh, Do you know Robert Do you know Robert Who Thaisen? is it? Robert Thaisen. So. Well, he's the one who actually gets his metal detecting events going. He's from Border Town. So he's doing a great job with that. And uh, we've become I'm close. <laughs> It's all, about, I don't it's all know about, many. it's all about, uh, these places need money to uh, support the, the building. Yeah. That's, that's, so. Yeah, but, 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of not knowing many people in Boyertown, unfortunately. Um, right. We, you know, we have a young family and we pretty much keep to ourselves. We're very busy when we're at home. Um, but then, you know, all the vending events and stuff happen to be outside of Boyertown, but we always love every year the Belschnickel because it's very nice to be in Boyertown. And of course, you know, with my grandfather and my grandmother living in Boyertown so long, the town is very special to our family. So I'm, I told Rachel, I'm very interested in kind of reining in and being more focused in this very particular area of Boyertown and Ole Valley with my efforts, especially volunteer efforts, because that's where my heart is. And I've put enough time into the Kutztown area. It's not really, right. it's not really doing it for me. It's just not my place. Uh, my my husband grew up in Virginville, so it's my more special to him. But um, you know, I really want to. You know, when you're when you're a busy person, we're self-employed, and then I have all these other things that I do, and then having a young family. Time is so precious, and what you choose right. to use your your time for volunteering um, or stewardship is very very important to be focused and about so i've told her that and i'm telling you that too please keep me in mind if you guys need any help um getting word out or gathering people for any kind of event or something i'd love to help out in that way and that brings me to my last question which is how can people follow you i will link the facebook group um and do you have a youtube channel correct yes harry's relic hunters on youtube yes Harry. Okay, cool okay make sure And I'll tell you, that video was really fun to watch. <laughs> it was really fun to watch you and the man, Tony. Um, very entertaining and, and fun personality. I really enjoyed it a lot. Especially, <laughs> you said to your friend, I think Charlie, right? Um, I think you said, oh, yeah, watch out. Because I think it was a whistle. You said there might be a cold eye on that. And I should have known because you're a science teacher that you would know that. But it was funny to me because I'm always thinking about things like that. There you go. So it was entertaining. It was really entertaining. I enjoyed watching it a lot. So, well, oh, from watching from watching of a YouTube channel, it's you know I do a lot of detecting on land. Uh, I can tell you, and you're obviously aware of this here. I, I have that uh, Facebook group, Friends of Manitoni. Matt, the Manitoni is really a special uh, creek, stream, whatever. It's very historical. There's a lot of old mills built along the Manitoni, and I am going to do more detecting in the waters of the Manitoni. Uh, there, there are some treasures to be found in the in the waters of Manitoni, and uh, and we can do uh, we can do some uh, metal detecting. And I'm sure uh, I will be making some YouTube videos of things we find in in the Manitoni. I have a location set aside that I know is going to be really a, a great location for finding relics. A lot of people spend time along the Manitoni, and there are things in that creek. I was at that water hole at Earlville, 
And I found out that was detected several times before, by the way. So uh, we found some cool okay. things here, but uh, it was detected before. So, uh, but anyway, uh, that that creek is just a fascinating creek. I'm I'm glad it's still a yeah. healthy stream. The, the water quality is very good, yeah. by the way. But yeah, Rachel. I'm so uh, happy to hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, because there's a lot of wildlife. Uh, there's some places along the Mediterranean that are very private areas that I see yeah. bald eagles. I see ospreys. I see, you know, uh, blue herons, and there's a lot of frogs. I just have to blue herons. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's that's very very cool. Um, one thing, one more thing, I want to ask you: is, is it a public event, the detecting event that you're going to be doing this year? Is there a way for people to sign up if they're interested? The the Boyer Town event? Yeah, that's that's public. Yeah. It's. Uh, oh, cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's coming in uh, April, and also I think they're going to have one in October. But through the Boyertown Historical Society, uh, I think it's called okay, coming, coming Out Swinging, Coming Out Swinging, something like that. I don't know exactly. No uh, problem. I'll, I'll find um, it um, and link it for you. It's uh, the fee they charge $100. It's going to be a two-day event. Okay. Two-day event, and they have a couple farms uh, saved to um, to go to the the one they did okay. last year turned out to be a really great uh, great event by the way and they found some really great old coins and relics at this event from last year and I'm sure that's the same that's coming uh coming in April here coming out okay. swinging again it's a uh, hundred dollars a person two day event they did contact me they wanted uh, some input and I did give them some input that might um, be helpful to them about uh, what other things they could do you know uh, they had drawings they had some pride they gave away and that's that's always nice to do stuff like that so oh that's awesome that robert Thiessen's in charge of that he's pretty much the man involved with that robert Thiessen. he's from oh, philadelphia cool. he, he he moved to boyer town so uh yeah you say you uh didn't recognize the name he's from philadelphia he moved to boyer town he just loves our area he loves our community and he's oh, being active in the historical society, very active. Um, he's a young, he's a young guy, so that's nice to know. I, I always like to see younger yeah. people get involved with these things, you know. Um, yeah, makes me feel good yeah, to know exciting. that. It, yeah, it'll get carried on. Yeah, and you know what? They bring a new energy because I know we talked a little bit about it. Um, just you know, when you grow up in this area, I mean, I know when I landed here in 2014, I was like a little kid with excitement, and I know some people, and I would joke about it because I. You know, and there was also the connotation of not realizing some of the some of the people that had grown up here would maybe be more privy to. Um, there's also that, but it's neat to have a new energy and an excited energy, particularly not that people don't appreciate it, but when it is your home and you've lived here a long time, it it just becomes so familiar. Like we talked about when you know we would do the reunions, it was just like, oh, we're going to fish a homestead. It was no big deal. It's kind of like that, so it's neat to have a new energy. I agree with that. And actually, um, Rachel's husband, um, Gene, is working on a property right now. He is the Pennsylvania craftsman. Um, yeah. And he's working he on a property, and it's just neat to see, but he's preserving it properly. It's not like he's doing what we call like a gut job, Home Depot job, or whatever. My husband restores property. Um, you know, it's really neat to see the effort put forth to restore instead of, you know, just 
you know, completely redo. Right. It's something that Gene is very passionate yeah. about. But there's a lot of really exciting things happening and a lot of people, movers and shakers that are getting it done. And it's just a neat time to be here and, and be part of it. So, Charles, I really appreciate your time. It was so much fun talking to you. And I'm so glad that we connected and that we had so many things in common and we didn't even know it. And um, I just really appreciate the work you're doing and very, very grateful for you to share your time with us and, and can't wait to see what you do moving forward. Well, thank you, Rachel. It's a pleasure being uh, with you uh, during this last hour. And uh, uh, we have we both have a lot to uh, look forward to this coming year. For sure. For sure. It's going to be a good year, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yes, indeed. <laughs> thank you so much, Charles. And Mark Smith. Oh, good.